What's up, everyone? Welcome. Welcome, current listeners, new listeners. This is WFS, The Will Ford Show. I am sorry this is a day late. I have been slammed this week with school, applying for scholarships for college. I've got college homework to do, a lot of stuff going on. So I apologize that this is a day late. But hey, better late than never. Uh, Before we get started with the show, I just want to start by saying that I want to address the tragedy that happened in Florida. At a high school in Florida, there was a school shooting. And I just want to offer my condolences to the families and to the faculty and to the first responders that that were involved in this horrific, horrific event. And my prayers are with everyone involved. This is a big problem now. I'm not going to get into the politics side of it because that's a whole, whole nother thing. And I'm not going to start a huge debate. But this is a problem and something needs to be done. Once again, thoughts and prayers with everyone involved. All right, let's get into the show. Let's start with the Winter Olympics. Chloe Kim is now the youngest gold medalist ever in the Winter Olympics. She is a part of Team USA. She is 17 years old. And she won gold in the halfpipe. That is great that we have someone as young as her going out and competing against the best of the best and winning gold. That is outstanding. And then Red Gerard won his first gold medal at age 17 as well. He was the youngest until Chloe Kim won her gold medal. So... It's amazing that we have such a young crop of of talent representing Team USA, and these these two should be able to represent Team USA for years to come. And then Sean White won Team USA's 100th gold medal in the Winter Olympics in the halfpipe. That is not the biggest story involving Sean White, though. Sean White has against him allegations of sexual harassment. And in a press conference after he won his gold medal, he was asked about it and he called everything that happened gossip. Now for White to have the audacity to call all of this gossip is totally out of line. The man had two lawsuit settlements in court a couple years ago. It's a fact that White is guilty of sexual harassment, and he went out and called it a rumor. Reports say he sent inappropriate texts and touched girls inappropriately, and so obviously, if there's been court cases about this, is obviously a fact. For, so for him to undermine this is just gossip, is 
clearly out of line. And why this is coming out now, and why we're talking about it now, is is kind of a little disgruntling. I don't know why we wait so long to talk about this kind of stuff. This should have been talked about a couple years ago when this was all going down. I mean, honestly, Sean White is the face of Winter Olympics. He's the guy. He's like Michael Phelps in the Summer Olympics. We should be... We should address this when stuff like this come out. None of this, this isn't a joke. We don't just sweep stuff like this under the rug. He honestly shouldn't have been competing in the first place with all these allegations against him before the Olympics. He should have just been disqualified from competing. The guy's the face of the Olympics. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. For him to undermine it as gossip is, is totally wrong. And then another incident involving Sean White was in his celebration of winning his gold medal. He was holding the American flag. And he was seen dragging it on the ground across the snow. And that kind of, uh, kind of upset some people. Caused a little controversy. And I think I'm going to give Sean White a pass on this. Because obviously, obviously it's disrespectful to drag the flag on the ground. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that that's not disrespectful. But I think Sean White just got caught up in the moment. And just didn't realize what he was doing. He just won gold. He won the Team USA's 100th gold. And I think he just got lost in what he was doing. And he just happened to let it drag. I, I don't think it's that huge of a deal. It's obviously disrespectful generally to drag the flag on the ground or to let it touch the ground. But I think this was just a case of he forgot what he was doing. And I'm not a huge Winter Olympics guy. I'm more of a Summer Olympics guy. I'm more into the track and swimming than I am into the snowboarding stuff. But... It's been a pretty good Winter Olympics this year. All right, we got some head coaching updates in the NFL. The Colts finally have a head coach after Josh McDaniels backed out on his word. They hired Eagles offensive coordinator Frank Reich as their new head coach. Now, this kind of sucks. Obviously, it's great for Indianapolis. They have a head coach now, but it kind of sucks for Frank Reich because he's stuck with the staff that Josh McDaniels hired. Like remember Josh McDaniels <laughs> hired his staff before he signed the contract when he verbally agreed, he hired his staff. That staff's in place still. So Frank Reich doesn't get to touch that. That's in place and now Frank Reich's got to build his team and his staff around that. So that kind of sucks for Frank Reich and, and the Colts a little bit. But now they have a, a good offensive coordinator, a good offensive-minded guy who can hopefully uh, turn the Colts around. I honestly thought McDaniels and Luck would have been a better duo, but we'll see how Frank Reich and Andrew Luck work out. 
and we'll see if Andrew Luck can even play come the year the year's start. Johnny Manziel in the news again, he is planning to make a comeback. Manziel admitted recently that he is bipolar and that he knows he has problems and has had problems and he wants to make a comeback, like I said. And I think it's great that he's starting to change, or at least I think he's changing. He, he's recognizing what he's done wrong. And he's a talented player. I, he's got talent. He was a Heisman Trophy winner. He played in the SEC. He can be a decent quarterback on the right team. If he can find the right team, find the right system. Like He wasn't a great fit in the AFC North. He just didn't have the size. That's why Baker Mayfield wouldn't work in Cleveland. Because in the AFC North, those are all cold cities when it comes to November, December, January. And you need a quarterback with a big body, strong arm. And Johnny Manziel just simply isn't that. He's, he's not built for those kind of conditions. That's why Baker Mayfield wouldn't work. That's definitely why Sam Darnold would work. Josh Rosen would also work. I would rather Darnold, though. Kirk Cousins would work. He's got a really strong arm. He's not, he doesn't have elite size, but he is still uh, a good, I think he would be a good fit in the AFC North. Now, will a team sign Johnny Menzo? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, they, he would really have to prove that he is, that he is changed and and that he can still play. And I'm, I'm interested to see if he can play. And if, if he can stay out of trouble on the field. Or off the field, sorry. And Baker Mayfield has drawn comparisons to Johnny Manziel. And I think those comparisons are absolutely fair game. They have similar attitudes. Both have this sort of cocky arrogance to them. And they've both been in trouble off the field. Johnny more so than Baker, but, but still. Johnny is a more talented quarterback than Baker, I think. He had more talent coming out of college than Baker does. Johnny played in a tougher conference, the SEC. Baker played in the Big 12, where there's no defense, so his stats are overinflated. And Johnny Manziel beat Alabama. Like, that's tough to do. Manziel's far better on his feet and at improvising. And he knows how to play when, when things, when the offense isn't on schedule. Baker, not so much. Kind of gets a little rattled. Baker can be a fine QB, though, in this league. He can be a fine quarterback. As long as he finds the right team, the right system. I think I think the Jets would wouldn't be a bad fit for him. I don't think that would be a bad fit. Good coach. Some speedy receivers. Baker's got an arm. 
it, it, it can work. It could definitely work. And it's a weaker division too. So, and he's not in. He's not on the bigger New York team. He's on the one that's kind of behind the Giants. So that can kind of work in his favor. He won't be in the spotlight as much. And that'll kind of keep him keep him closer to earth. But I still think he, I think he can be a fine quarterback in this league. Now, Lane Johnson, offensive tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles, the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles, just recently criticized the Patriot way of doing things. He says that the Eagles had fun during the season, during games, and won a championship, and the Patriots never have fun. But the thing is, they have five championships in, what is it, 17 or 18 years? The Eagles have one in their entire franchise history? Lane Johnson has no idea what he's talking about. The Eagles beat New England because they have a better roster. I'm not taking anything away from the Eagles here. They they won this game. They won that game. And Belichick got outcoached. He got out-Belichicked. But the Eagles are so high on themselves right now. Like I, I bet the Eagles won't even win their division next year. And I'm serious. A team in the NFC East hasn't won back-to-back -back division titles since I don't know how long. But the same team never wins the division in back-to-back -back years. It's always a new team every year. Cowboys, Redskins in a few years ago, Giants a few years ago. Like It's a new team every year. Gronk has fun on the field when he plays. Other players have fun. But the big thing is winning is fun. The Eagles don't exactly have a history of, of consistent winning. The Patriots have been winning for 15 years straight. Or 17 or 18 years straight. You know who's fun? I want to make a, uh, a little... I want to come up with an example here. You know who's fun? Babysitters. They let you do whatever you want. And they just sit on their phones on the couch the whole time. The parents are the real grown-ups. You know who else is fun? Your grandma. You know, you go over to grandma's house and you're baking cookies all day. But once she reaches a certain age, grandma forgets her address four days a week. No disrespect, but it's the truth. The Patriots are the real grown-ups. They are the parents. And the Eagles are like the babysitters and the grandmas. The Patriots have fun by winning. All right, I want to move on. I want to transition over to the NBA. 
the truth, Paul Pierce had his jersey retired by the Boston Celtics the other night after the Celtics got blown out by the New Look Cavaliers. And we're going to get into that later. But I think Pierce is definitely a top two or three offensive player in Celtics history. But in terms of in totality all time, I want to I have a list and here's where I have him. Number one, Larry Bird. Much better than Pierce offensively. Great trash talker. He's almost like a LeBron in a way. He could pass, facilitate. His passing ability was amazing. And he could put it in the hoop whenever he wanted. He was just outstanding. Number two, Bill Russell. And only he has 11 championships compared to Larry's three. But to me, Bill Russell's a little overrated. And that's why I have him at two. He played on a team with like seven other Hall of Famers. And he was like the only guy of his size besides Wilt Chamberlain in the NBA at the time. So that's why I think he's a little overrated. Number three, I have John Havlicek. Number four, Kevin McHale. And number five, I have Paul Pierce. I think Paul Pierce is a top five Celtic all time. Definitely one of the greats. He's probably in the top 30 all time in in. In all of the NBA, top 30, top 35, I would say. He is definitely one of the great Celtics and definitely one of the great all-time players. Alright, we're midway through the season in the NBA. Which means All-Star Weekend is almost here. I want to take you through each of the events that are going to happen. And I want to give my predictions on each event. For the All-Star Game, Team LeBron versus Team Steph. If you would have asked me this a month ago, I would have definitely said Team LeBron. Just because he had so much more length, athleticism, size, and... His team was just better, but he's lost four players, four or five players to injury. So he's not getting the players he picked. They're still great players, obviously. But I am now leaning towards Team Steph in this game. They've got way more shooters. And I just think Steph and James Harden is just going to be too hard to guard for Team LeBron. And now, the dunk contest. I'll take you through the participants in the dunk contest. We have rookie Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz, who I think is the clear-cut rookie of the year this year. He has come out of nowhere this year. We all thought we were going to be talking about Markel Foltz or Lonzo Ball or Jason Tatum, De'Aaron Fox, guys like that for Rookie of the Year. And Donovan Mitchell is just outstanding. 
And he's a high flyer, too. We have Victor Oladipo from the Indiana Pacers. He has had an incredible year out there by himself in Indianapolis. And it's he, he is a terrific player. He's definitely one of the better guards in the East this year. I'd probably put him at three behind DeRozan and Kyrie, statistically. I would say he's one of the top ones. In terms of talent, he's not he's not as good as like Kyle Lowry or John Wall or Bradley Beal, but in terms of just overall statistics, Old Depot is one of the top guys. Then we have Larry Nance Jr., who was on the Lakers, now a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Definitely going to be uh, well-loved and respected going back to L.A. I think he's going to get a lot of love. High flyer. His dad won the very first dunk contest in 1983. And then we have rookie Dennis Smith from the Dallas Mavericks. And he is a high flyer. And he's having a great year in Dallas, averaging 15, 4, and 5. And is one of the leading... Uh, players for Rookie of the Year. My prediction for this dunk contest, I'm going to go with Larry Nance Jr. The guy can absolutely get up. He's got a lot of power. He may not be able to do some of the crazy stuff, like between the legs and things like that, but who knows? Aaron Gordon's a big guy, and he was doing really crazy stuff. So... I'm re I really like Larry Nance Jr. in this dunk contest. And I am excited to watch it. Ever since that dunk contest with Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon, I have loved the dunk contest ever since. Last year was a little lackluster, but it's, it's still a very fun event to watch. And now we have the three-point contest. The three-point contest. Take you through the participants. We have Clay Thompson from Golden State, Wayne Ellington from Miami, Eric Gordon from Houston, Paul George from the Thunder, Bradley Beal from the Wizards, Kyle Lowry from Toronto, Devin Booker from Phoenix, Tobias Harris from the Clippers. Right now, I think the favorite is Clay Thompson. And that's who I'm going to pick to win this. But my dark horse for this year for the three-point contest is going to be Devin Booker. His first three-point contest was all right. He didn't do too great. But he is my dark horse to win this thing. But I think Clay Thompson is the favorite. And I'm really excited to see that too. I was really hoping Steph would do it this year. But he just wants to keep himself healthy, keep his ankles healthy. So still going to be a great contest. And then finally, we have the skills challenge. Lonzo Ball was going to be in the skills challenge, but due to his MCL sprain, he will not participate. We have 
Spencer Dinwiddie from the Nets, Joel Embiid from the 76ers, Al Horford from the Celtics, Laurie Markkinen from the Bulls, Buddy Heald from the Kings, Jamal Murray from the Nuggets, Chris Tapps Porzingis from the Knicks, but he is injured, so he will not compete. Andre Drummond from the Pistons, and Lou Williams from the Clippers. There's so many. I would have picked Kristaps Porzingis right up, right up top, or Lonzo. But since neither of these guys are going to participate, I'll pick one big guy and one guard. I'm going to go with... Oh, I want to go with Al Horford from the Celtics because he his their offense in, in Boston facilitates through him. He's the facilitator. He's a great passer. And for guards, I'm going to go with Jamal Murray from the Nuggets. He can shoot it. He can pass it. And I, I think that's... Yeah, I like those two. Uh, those are my two picks. I am really, really excited for All-Star Weekend. And again, that is this weekend. And then something else I want to talk about. Post-NBA trade deadline things that I want to talk about. So the trade deadline is designed to allow a team to try and get better to make deep playoff runs. And teams have to give quite a bit if they want significant improvement. But for contenders, especially the smart ones, all they have to do is wait for buyout season where players are traded for by a team to get that expiring contract, that cheap contract, and then they buy them out. And then they go sign with a contender. And that's exactly like what the Rockets did this year. They were extremely smart. They signed Joe Johnson, ISO Joe, for the rest of the season. Joe Johnson can be a really solid contributor off the bench for this team and especially in clutch situations late in games. Like if contending teams want to get better before the deadline, you don't need to trade anything away. Just sit back, wait until after the deadline, and players will get bought out. The, the Rockets signed Brandon Wright too. The 76ers are fighting for a playoff spot. They got Marco Bellinelli. So all, all you got to do is if you want improvement but you don't want to trade people away, just wait for the buyout season. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. All right, I want to segue into something else still NBA LeVar Ball is at it again <laughs> never have I ever really cared or believed a single word that has come out of this man's mouth 
But he just said something that is really concerning to me as a Lakers fan. I am a Lakers fan. Concerning to me, concerning for his sons, and concerning for the Lakers. He said that Lonzo won't re-sign with the Lakers if Leangelo and LaMelo, his brothers, don't play with him. If they don't sign him. Them, sorry. And that he'll go to a team that sign, that'll sign all three of them. This could be a very, very bad situation for the Lakers. This Lonzo is a culture changer. He's a guy that could lure free agents like LeBron. Like people like playing with this guy. Like when he went to UCLA, changed the culture. Turned that team around like that. Flip of a switch. And then when he left, they're crap again. Like I wasn't sure if LeBron would come anyways because of LeVar. I wasn't sure if he would if he would want to join that circus. But if say the Lakers trade Lonzo now because of this, they they, they trade him come the offseason, LeBron I don't think is going to come. LeBron I think loves Lonzo. I think he likes him. I think he wants to mentor him and play with him. And this this majorly affects the Lakers' ability to sign free agents. Remember, All Star Weekend is in Los Angeles this year. Magic Johnson and Rob Plinka are, are starting to recruit. This is their time to recruit players. They show them the best. They show them their facilities. They show them, show them the best places in town to eat, best hotels, the best neighborhoods. They show them everything. And now this Lonzo situation puts a monkey wrench in everything. It's like it's like you're going to prom with the hottest girl in school and then you wake up with a big pimple in the middle of your forehead. That's exactly what this is for the Lakers. This this messes up their whole free agent plan. This situation could deter free agents, especially if LeVar just keeps running his mouth. If LeBron and Paul George don't come, and Boogie's out of the question due to his Achilles injury, what are you going to do with that money? Like The plan was to get LeBron and Paul George in the summer. Now, if obviously if you don't get those guys and this situation works itself out, I would if you can't get one of those two guys, I would re-sign IT to a one-year deal worth around 20, 20 million dollars, something something around there. It's a little more than what he's worth. But you got to use the money. You're not going to use it on anything else. And he's still a really really good player. And you're, you're at least competitive with IT. And then maybe you, you maybe you re-sign Brook Lopez for another year. Maybe not for $22 million or whatever it is. But at least maybe you bring him back just so you can keep that team together for a year. Maybe you can run, make a run at a 7th or 8th seed in the playoffs. Maybe at the most. And then 
I guess you got to wait until 2019 at that point. You got guys like Jimmy Butler, who's an L.A. kid, Clay Thompson, who's an L.A. kid, although he said that he plans on staying in Golden State for his whole career. LeBron, potentially again, if he signs a one-and-one in Cleveland again or a one-and-one somewhere else. But I think LeBron wants a Supermax deal. And if he stays in Cleveland, he won't he won't uh he won't sign a Supermax because signing a Supermax relinquishes all of his power within the organization. He has no more leverage if he if he is locked in for four years. The one plus one at least gives him leverage and it forces Dan Gilbert and Kobe Altman to make moves to keep him happy. So there's that. And then Paul George again, potentially. Maybe he he signs a one-year deal in Oklahoma City to, to give it one more shot if things don't go well. And then you have Kawhi Leonard, who is an L.A. kid. And Jimmy Butler has talked to Kobe Bryant several times about wanting to play in L.A. at some point in his career. That's what the Lakers need to do if this year's plans don't work out. And then something that is really important, and people are already on this bandwagon, and I don't know why, but people are asking, are the new-look Cavs the favorites again in the Eastern Conference? Well, people aren't asking that. They're saying they are. I'm not so sure. They've made some great moves. Don't get me wrong. They made some great aggressive moves to flip their team and their locker room around. I mean, let's face it. They they had some cancerous players in the locker room. Isaiah Thomas, Derek Rose, Dwayne Wade was even a cancer. He was the one that started all the, the drama with Kevin Love sitting out. He was the one that initiated all of that. It wasn't IT. Like I said, that like a month or so ago, about IT starting that, it actually came from Dwayne Wade. And I said that I would believe it if it came from Dwayne Wade, but it turns out that that was actually out of line, and that kind of started some of the beef in the locker room. But with the moves, the Cavs got a lot younger, they got a lot more athletic, and the best part about it is they got a King James who is reborn. The King was reborn because of these trades. And that's great for the Cavs. That is the best thing possible for them. And by the way, some of these trades were total BS, if you ask me. The IT and Fry trade for Nance and Clarkson to the Lakers was, that was a fair trade. That was a fine trade. But they got Rodney Hood and George Hill for, for washed players who suck. Derek Rose and Jay Crowder for Hood is, is horrible. The Jazz waved Rose right after they traded for him. 
You basically just traded Jay Crowder for Rodney Hood straight up. That's that's disgusting. And the Kings the Kings gave up Hill for Amon Shumpert. I don't get that at all. I, I, it could be like a, a clearing of cap room because Amon Shumpert, I believe, is this is the last year of his contract. So it could have been done in that perspective. But still, I believe that was a three-team trade. I don't know what else the Kings got out of it. If that's all they got, that's kind of trash. I don't know how... I don't know how Kobe Altman pulled th this stuff off. But he was great, and he was really aggressive. Like, the Celtics are the smartest team... In the NBA, they have Danny Ainge, who's probably the smartest, one of the smartest GMs in the NBA. The Celtics are the smartest team in the room at all times. Danny Ainge is the smartest guy in the room at all times. But he isn't always that aggressive. I'll take slightly less smart and significantly more aggressive over being the smartest guy in the room any day of the week. Like the Cubs are smart. They they were aggressive and they just they just signed Yu Darvish to a deal like they overpaid for Yu Darvish. But they were aggressive and they got a really, really good pitcher. At a price that was probably above market value, but sometimes you gotta do that to get really, really good players. The Yankees are aggressively smart. They went out and got Young Carlos Stanton from the Marlins. Paired him up with Aaron Judge. I'm not saying being the smartest guy in the room is a bad thing. It's a great quality. But I'll take slightly less smart and significantly more aggressive any day of the week. And these moves, I don't think they guarantee the Cavs are getting out of the East. I don't think they do. Sure, they dominated the Celtics in their first game, and they handily beat the Thunder. But teams have no game plan for them right now. They, they changed 40% of their roster. They changed 40% of their roster in one day. Nobody knows how to play the Cavs right now. We'll see how the Cavs do when teams actually have a game plan for them. It's going to take a little bit, though. I will give the Cavs this, though. With the moves they made, they now have one thing that no other NBA team does. They have seven or eight guys who can score 20-plus points a night. LeBron, Kevin Love when he's back, George Hill, Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson, J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, and Jeff Green. The Warriors don't have that. They have five at most with Steph, Clay, Draymond, KD, and maybe Nick Young when he's streaky. The Celtics certainly don't have that, and the Rockets certainly don't have that. So I'll give the Cavs that. But they aren't 
the favorites in the Eastern Conference yet. They're not, they're not the favorites yet in my book. They still have to prove a lot to me. And I want to see what teams are able to do when they actually have a game plan for the Cavs. I, right now, I still like the Celtics to win the East. They've been in a slump right now. They're, I think, 18-12 and 12 in the last 30 games. So that's not great. But come playoff time, they'll be fine. I think the, the Cavs can still reach the Eastern Conference Finals, but I don't know if they'll make it out of the East. It, it just really depends on how well they play once teams have a game plan for them. So I still like the Celtics to win the East and go into the Finals and face more than likely the Warriors and probably get swept. Or maybe... 4-1. Five-game series. The Rockets could be interesting, though. The Rockets actually have a half-a-game lead on the Warriors in the Western Conference standings going into the All-Star break. So that's kind of big. That, now, that doesn't mean the Warriors have regressed. I don't think they've regressed at all. The, the Rockets are certainly elevated by getting Chris Paul. And I think the Warriors are just bored. I think they're just bored. They've been doing this for four years now. Like Steve Kerr let his own players coach themselves the other day against the Phoenix Suns. And Steve Kerr said it was just because he was tired of hearing his own voice. And I think he felt his players were tired of hearing it. And he just wanted another way to get through them and keep them engaged. And I love it. Now, Suns fans and players thought it was disrespectful. It's not Steve Kerr's job to be respectful to the Suns. Obviously, you respect your opponent when you go out there and play. You don't take anything for granted, but it's not, it's not your job to, to pity them or play down to them. The Suns are awful. Golden State is arguably the best team in NBA history. It's either them or the 96 Bulls. The Warriors are just bored, that's all. Playoff time, they will be engaged, and I like them to go to the finals, and I'm going to predict the Celtics in the finals. Alright guys, that's it for me. Kind of a shorter show this week, but we don't have a lot of NFL stuff to talk about anymore. Season's over, not a lot of football. It's mostly NBA now, and we got the Winter Olympics going on. So, yeah, make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at the Will Ford Show. Rate and review the show on iTunes. Share this with your friends, family. Thank you for listening, guys. It's, S it's WFS.